Howdy folks, this is 5150 for Hacker Public Radio. This is a recording of an impromptu bull session that came about one night after Bayer Brown, Red Dwarf, and I had been waiting around on Mumble for another host to join in. After giving up on recording our scheduled podcast, we stayed up for about an hour talking and drinking when Bayer suddenly asked Red and I to find current events articles concerning Linux. When that task was completed, Bayer announced he was launching a live audio cast over Mixler.com with us as his guests. You are about to hear the result. Topics range from the prospects of Linux taking over the small business server market, now that Microsoft is retreated from the field, Android tablets and the future of the desktop in general, and, at the time, revelations that Steam would be coming to Linux. On the last point, let me be the first to say that I am glad some of the concerns in my rant appear to be unfounded. Apparently, after a lot of work, Left 4 Dead 2 runs faster under Linux than it does under Windows with equivalent hardware. This podcast was recorded on a whim, but I won't promise that it will never happen again. And make sure you stick around for the special guest who jumps in at the end. Hello, ladies and gentlemen out there. My name is Byer Brown, and you may have remembered me from such places as uh, BBTAS.com or over at Linux Basics, where we have such a grandular time, or I should say a grand time, talking about all kind of things concerning uh, Linux and uh, programming languages and whatnot. You might be tuning in right now over at Mixlar. That's over at Mixlar.com, and you can check out the Bayer Brown live feed. You might be wondering, what in the world is going on right now? What is this cast that's happening? Well, what you're experiencing right now is a podcast that's happening off the cuff right now, live, for no reason. The title is called Linux Bear, and who cares? And I'm here with some great friends of mine by the name of Red Dorth and 5150. Fellas, you out there? Indeed I am, Bayer. <laughs> Finally. That's what I'm talking about. Well, fellas, that we are here on a very, very, very early Saturday morning. It is the, what is this, uh, July 14th, 2012. We just got out of, uh, what, the third, Friday the 13th, huh? We uh, survived. Yeah, we survived. How about you, Red? Well, I think I'm still here. Cool beans. <laughs> but we got that big sunspot heading towards us before it gets daylight. Yeah, you know what? Now, I heard a little bit about that. What's what's going on with that? Biggest one in months, they said. I guess it's not. It, you know, I heard him talking about I had visions of the uh, movie Knowing, but uh, apparently they've been at least this big before and, and just a few months ago, but we might see some disruptions, and they said they might be able to see the Aurora Borealis in Alabama, and uh, it's too bad Paranoid Shell left. Yeah, that would have been uh, right up his alley as well. I don't know. So they, they've had things like this before, and you were having visions of that, that movie called Signs. That was the one with Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah, that was when the one where the aliens or angels or whatever picked up a few kids and everybody else died. Right. You know what? I, I always did like Nicolas Cage as far as like a filler movie kind of guy. Like, like 
check this out. If you're sitting at home and you really didn't got nothing else to do, you might have yourself a little bit of brew, maybe some Doritos, cool ranch. I don't know. And you want something to watch, but there's really nothing quite interesting enough to watch. It's not a blockbuster and you need something just to pass that time. Nicholas Cage comes in and saves the day every single time. Well, the man is at least prolific. I, I, I give you national treasure. Um, not a blockbuster movie, not by my standards, but although I was not upset at the movie, uh, what was that? Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider one wasn't all that great. I have not seen Ghost Rider two yet, but I, I've heard that it's better, but it seems like Nicholas Cage is that guy that just comes in and fills that, that filler space between blockbuster movies where you don't feel cheated or anything. I wouldn't go to the theater to see it, but it's great at home TV watching. Well, I'm trying to work down to the uh, other one by him I saw for my, uh, uh, out of the $5 Walmart. But next, that's it. That was that was probably the one he did before knowing or about the same time. And uh, kind of uh, almost a similar theme. Uh, both of them deal with uh, knowing what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah, that whole that whole second sight type deal. And what about you, Red? Any uh, Nicolas Cage movies you like the best, or what do you watch when you want to see a filler movie? Uh, honestly, I <laughs> basically I kind of flip over the dial and see if something catches my fancy. A lot of times, what I'll do is I'll look around some of the uh, networks that show older TV shows. Uh, like, oh, Batman from the 60s, uh, Hogan's Heroes. I always like watching Hogan's Heroes. You know, shows like that, those really intrigue me more than a lot of the movies. I to sit down and look through a list of a whole bunch of movies, it doesn't really intrigue me that much. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And Hogan Heroes was definitely something really cool to watch. I loved Batman from back in the day, even though it was the campy version. But at the same time, it had that certain mystique of the time period. And it was awesome to watch with the whole bams and the booms and, you know, the <laughs> Joker and Penguin and all them. I don't know. I think it kind of harkens back to just simpler times, funner times where you could have yourself a brew, sit down in your easy chair and just watch a little bit of Batman and, uh, you know, all was, all was right with the world before you had to go back to work the next day. Well, you know, I am from the generation that Adam West is Batman. I mean, uh, Oh, Michael Keaton was good. You know, he's not bad, but when I think of Batman, I go back to the old ones. When I think of the, when I think of the Joker, it's, it's always Cesar Romero, even though, the Joker was the role that uh, Jack Nicholson was born to play. I'm I'm not one of these people that say that look at the Heath Ledger one and just say, oh, how incredible that was. Yeah, he was good, but I mean, Jack Nicholson, man, if there if there was a man born to play a role, uh, that was it. I'd have to agree. I would have to agree. Jack Nicholson did an awesome job on the Joker, as far as those you know those particular Batman series that they had out there with. Uh, uh, Michael Keaton and all them all. Wait, did Michael Keaton, he was the one with that, with, with uh, Jack Nicholson, right? 
Yeah, he was the first one, I guess, if you'd call it in a reboot or whatever, when they first started movies, he's the one that said, Who are you? I'm Batman! Yeah, that was definitely some awesome times. That brings back a lot of a lot of memories. And I have to say uh, hello to all you people who are listening live right now over there at Mixlar. We, it looks like we have a couple people out there that are checking us out live right now. And um, you guys have been hanging around, so I guess you like what you're hearing, and we definitely uh, love the fact that you are checking us out. If you didn't tune in at the beginning, this podcast right now really does not exist. This is just a bunch of people that are sitting around, and we decided to have a little bit of fun. And you talk about fresh podcasts. I mean, this is like right off the cuff, so I don't know where it's going. I just called it Linux Bear and Who Cares because uh, I couldn't think of anything else to call it. And uh, I got a bear, and we all like Linux over here, and we like movies and shows and just like life. I'm here with some really great friends, 5150 and Red Dwarf. And you can check us all out over at linuxbasics.com. That's B-A-S-I-X.com. So uh, I want to know. What? No no love for HPR, buyer? Oh, there's always love for HPR. has mega love. (laughs) Everybody knows who HPR is. And thank you for reminding me, actually. But, yeah, HPR is definitely in the house uh, 5150 is, is, is connected intimately to, to HPR. And, uh, you know, it's always an honor for HPR. While, for real. while we're plugging, that's hackerpublicradio.org. And, uh, while I'm on it, I'm going to have some friends who'd be on me. If I don't mention devrandom.ws. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like we have uh, we have a couple more people coming in and listening. This is awesome. Wow, this is kind of str- hey everybody. <laughs> That's really cool. But yeah, like I said, HPR for sure, Linux Basics for sure. Uh, all you guys out there, uh, uh, Freedom Plug, and everybody that's over on the OpenSpeak uh, server. Who else is on the OpenSpeak server? Uh, isn't the Linux Mint people over there? And um, I think. I, I can't think. Does Going Linux do they do they record on OpenSpeak? I know they're over at Linux Basics. I don't know. They've got. They certainly have a room in here. Uh, but while we're mentioning people, we should we should uh, mention uh, Dunstein Studio people and uh, their podcast Crivens and Tuxjan. Yes, uh, got people. Got that C R I V I N S. Uh, you remember Dude Man? Now, Dude Man looks like he has a room over at at uh, OpenSpeak, and I think that he's going to be starting up a podcast, as well as a good friend, Bruce, from uh, from uh, DistroWatch, is involved with OpenSpeak as well. Yeah, and uh, another podcast that uh, we've got to mention, because the gentleman is also involved with Linux Basics, and that's Linux for the rest of us over on the Podnuts Network. Uh, door-to-door Geek, a.k.a. Steve McLaughlin, is uh, very, very good at what he does with uh, Linux. And in fact, he's done videos, and he's even got a uh, Kickstarter going right now. He's trying to upgrade his uh, recording equipment and having set up a nice little studio for himself and he's well on his way to his goals and let's not forget mention android app addict so also over on the Podnuts network 
Yeah, for real. And uh, Steve Trevino, got to send a shout out and give some love to Steve, Steve Trevino, too, over there at Pod Nuts. And, of course, much love to Door to Door, most certainly. We have over here at Open Speak right now, we're inside of Mumble. And if you ever want to join us over here at Mumble, you can. All you people that are over there listening to us right now, and I want to thank you for all the listeners that are popping up. We got two more people. And uh, you can come on over to Mumble and join us. Uh, in the Mumble uh, server. And if you go to Linux Basics, B-A-S-I-X, look in the bottom right corner, you'll see just how to join us. You, you can join us right now if you wanted to. Or if not, then, you know, I know I'm kind of throwing everything, you know, on your plate right away. You're like, who are you guys? And, uh, but that's, that's the awesome thing about the internet. You never know. Just boom, here we go. Here goes the show. That's hot. I love it. And that is great. We want to send a, a hello out there to, uh, Jay Rolo out there from, uh, California, uh, not California, Hawaii. What's up brother. And, um, feel free to chime in anytime you need. So guys, you know what the name of this spontaneous podcast, maybe we should call it that spontaneous podcast. I don't know. Is Linux barren. Who cares? So I want to know what is on the plate when it comes to Linux red dwarf. What you got? Well, uh, I was looking over here at a place called, TheVarGuy.com, and he's got a little bit of a story here about uh, Can Linux Dance on Microsoft Windows SBS Grave, which I thought was kind of interesting. That sounds spooky. Yeah. Well, when Microsoft uh, killed Windows Small Business Server, which is what SBS is, the guy, the guy that uh, wrote this said he wondered, uh, can Linux somehow invade the small business server market in a big way? After he thought of it for a week, he decided no. Uh, he seriously doubts it. Uh, the Microsoft has started up what they call Office 365, which is a cloud-related setup, and you'll be able to do your stuff up in the cloud, store your, uh, I guess, store your uh, documents and stuff like that, too. Uh, the small business server market's shrinking, which is true. And what he was thinking was maybe that uh, the Linux offerings that are going on, like uh, Red Hat, Enterprise Linux, SUSE, or SUS, depending on how you say it. Uh, there are some other uh, Linux distributions and bundles that are available, too, that focus on the small business market. Uh, Red Hat and SUSE are basically used in uh, large corporation-type situations, but they can also be used on small systems, too. Uh but uh, Canonical and I believe it's Zential, Zential, sort of like that, uh, focus on uh, that type of a distribution, and they're based uh, on Ubuntu. And uh, let's see, what else do we have here that they're saying? Uh, gentleman from Red Hat. The CEO of Red Hat, Jim Whitehurst, said uh, about two years ago his company would focus 
on cloud computing rather than small business servers. The reason cloud services were the fastest way to engage small business replacing server preloads as the preferred route to market. Now, uh, from what I've been uh, seeing here, uh, the cloud, the shift to the cloud uh, operations, there was something in here, I don't see it right at this moment, that said that, oh, here it is. The shift to the cloud is real, and Microsoft Office 365 and cloud-related revenues are doubling annually. So the cloud computing apparently is taking off. Of course, you know, if you have one person doing it, and then you have two, you've doubled. So, you know, it's one of those things, it's relative as based on how big you really start out with when you're figuring something like that. Uh, another thing that's happening, too, is uh, some people aren't even using that type of a system. They're just going to what's called a NAS, or a Network Attached Storage System. And what that basically amounts to is a hard drive... And, uh, thanks for the email, whoever did that. Uh, it's a hard drive that's hooked up to a network through a router, and you can access it through your network system. You could also access it from off-site as well. So that, that is also another way that, uh, people are making up for the difference. But it's, it's getting interesting to see, uh, what uh, the small businesses are going to do, and at the cost of what they were spending on Microsoft systems, uh, a Linux-based system really uh, not only can save them money, but uh, will be around for quite a while, as opposed to uh, what they had with their uh, Microsoft system. Now I gotta, you know what? I, I gotta wonder. Now, everybody knows that Linux rules when it comes to, to servers. Now, I got to admit, you know, Linux on the desktop, yeah, okay, it's, it's not everywhere, not how, like, we would like it to be. But when it comes to servers, Linux most certainly rules. Not only does it rule, a majority of the Internet is ran on Linux. So I'm, I'm wondering why why Linux would not have been able to champion the whole at-home server kind of situation. I mean, would that not be just an extension of what's already happening on the Internet? Wouldn't that just be like a natural extension? What do you think about that? When we talk about uh, the server space being mainly occupied, those are perhaps big corporate servers, and well, the, the domination is on the web. Most of the web runs on Linux servers, but I'm not so sure that your uh, small to medium enterprise systems are uh, dominated by Linux just because most of your tech were first oriented with uh, Windows. They're probably more comfortable going with a Windows-based server than they are learning a brand new operating system. Uh, look at the guys from Podnuts Pro. They're, they both uh, work for services that serve medium size businesses to large size businesses but they're both they're 
neither of them are uh, obviously that experienced in in Linux. I th I think I would probably be more at home operate uh, administering a Linux server than either of those fellows. So uh, I think in this space that uh, Red's talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised it has been previously dominated by Windows. Uh, I'm not sure all these small businesses have such a fast internet connection, certainly not in a lot of parts of the country where the cloud becomes a viable option, but I, I would, at least in my area, and I, I'm in a relatively rural area, but uh, I, I you'd probably have a lot of techs who would attempt to administer a Windows system and then be just completely lost running a Linux system for a small business. Gotcha, gotcha, and and it's uh one of those. You know, I sound like Door right there. He always says, "Gotcha, gotcha." Look at that. I'm being influenced by by my older and uh, mentors out there. <laughs> In any case, I, I I take to heart exactly what you what you said, and I don't know. You know, I I want, I guess I want Linux to go after more business. I I think that that's a that's a good place to start. I mean, if you can get the heart and the souls and the minds of business, wouldn't you just, you know, naturally get the desktop anyway? Or or does the desktop even matter anymore? Well, I think uh, eventually that uh, Linux is going to take a bigger chunk out of the desktops uh, or laptops, if you want to look at it that way. A lot of people are using their laptops now and docking them or just using them themselves as uh, their desktop. And it makes it nice because they can just take their work with them. But uh, one of the things that's causing the shift is when you look at the cost of maintaining a Microsoft system, you know, the licensing and, you know, if you want support, you definitely pay substantial amount for your uh, Microsoft support whereas Linux uh, you can either maintain it yourself or you can pay to have it maintained or pay for some support that type of thing but the bottom dollar is it can be a lot cheaper and there are uh, actually countries that are going, they're changing their whole system over to Linux. Uh, there was a change, I believe it was a stock exchange in England that went from Windows and paying tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for licenses and maintenance and support to uh, just a minuscule amount. And it makes a big difference. I think I think you're right, and you know, and and I want to send this out. I've seen so many different reports on the internet, uh, and, and sometimes in news about the desktop is dead. You know, the you know, I gotta I gotta say this. One thing about getting into technology, and one thing about uh, just getting into your computer and everything. At, at first, 
when you're listening to everybody that's around you, it's kind of like a, a static storm. It's a static storm in the sense of you got all this just data coming at you and you're listening to all these different people and you're trying to figure out who should I listen to? You know, who should I not listen to? Who's crazy? Who's not? And, and I got to tell you, that's a good, that's a good phase. You got to go through that phase, but eventually you're going to get to a point that your natural instincts, your natural mind is going to kick in. Now, whether or not you're crazy yourself, <laughs> that, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know. You might be crazy. You may not. I know that I'm a little bit touched, but in any case, somewhere along the lines, your natural instincts are going to kind of kick in. Now I got to say this nonsense to me, and I, this might not be nonsense to you guys, but to me, I think it's nonsense to think of the desktop being dead or the laptop being dead. Sure. I think that it may change a little bit, but I don't think it'll ever be dead. I don't think that there will ever be a time where uh, some man or some woman won't want to come home to their command center and, and, and play on their system, whether it be literally playing on their system or crunching the data. Now, of course, you're going to have more mobile devices out there and Linux is getting more and more is gaining more and more ground in the uh, mobile arena. Of course, you're going to have those kind of things, your iPad, your, you know, your galaxies and, and that Zoron that, uh, uh, Kevin was talking about earlier, but I don't think that there will ever become a time where, where laptops and desktops will ever truly be gone. I think they will change form in a sense, but I don't think they'll ever be gone. What do you guys think? I, I think they're going to stick around. Uh, it, well, in the first place, uh, I don't see a desk, uh, laptop being used, say, for uh, studio production work. I think that's going to be still a desktop system, uh, if nothing else, because of the, the graphic power and you know, you need a real strong system to do uh, video editing, that sort of thing. Uh, audio, yeah, you could do it with a laptop. I mean, there are a lot of systems out there that's got a lot of power to them. But it still uh, seems like it would be better if they went uh, with a desktop and something like that. Yeah, but Red, how many people actually edit their audio and video. I mean, they they shoot a clip on their camera and they press a button, and it gets uploaded to Facebook or YouTube. Uh, I think we are going to run into a problem that uh, I think there will always be desktops and laptops, but they as the production numbers drop because pe- people are uh finding that they everything that they really need to do they can do on a cell phone and a tablet i mean look look at other parts of the world already a, a, a lot of places the majority of citizens interface to the internet and to computing has become a cell phone but i i think it's for people like us who want to do some serious work on these systems uh once production figures go down, the costs are going to necessarily go up. We'll always be able to buy one, but we're going to have to shell out some more cash to do it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I know this. Uh, I'm working on a uh, a treadmill where I work that uh, needs a new belt on it. And I 
never torn one apart before, so I'm using diagrams and uh, repair manual, which was lacking in instruction. And uh, I truthfully, I, I sat there looking on my phone, looking at the instructions, and it's like, this isn't working out too well. I need something bigger. Well, I have a cheap uh, tablet that I picked up a while back. It's like one of those $80 ones that doesn't do much of anything. But it does work for viewing um, PDFs, that sort of thing. And uh, I was sitting there looking at that, and it's like, okay, this is a 7-inch, and it's still... It's better than 4.3, but it's still not what I need. I really need to sit down with a laptop or a, a desktop screen and read it that way. It's just too hard to uh, visualize what I was looking at. And that kind of a thing you, you could run into anywhere. You know, uh, I still, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, netbooks are dead, desktops are dead. I don't think I don't think so. Netbooks, they may be. It's it's hard to say. I mean, they got to the point where they were beefing up to a, almost a laptop, and uh, some of the laptops had gone down the other direction. But I think, yeah, netbooks or the netbooks are gonna probably phase down. But as far as the others go, I think those still have a, a good purpose. And when I was talking about editing video and stuff like that, I was talking about more the production type people. You know, the ones that are doing, you know, studio work, that sort of thing. Well, I want to congratulate you on fixing that treadmill the right way. My fix would probably be to uh, lay down some duct tape along one side and just fire that sucker up and roll the duct tape out as it goes around and around, and then it'd be fixed. Well, the thing is, uh, when you're working on something that would probably cost about $2,500 to replace if you bought a brand new one, uh, it pays to look and see whether you can spend about $700 to fix this one. Right, that's just a joke, of course, but yeah, that's why I got the tablet, because my eyes... You know, when I first got the cell phone, it wasn't so bad, but around the house, uh, and I, I started off with a, uh, 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 a Nook ebook reader when they, for, of course, hacked it when they first came out and never, never bought a book from Barnes and Noble. Uh, but just recently, you know, you talk about the $80, uh, you know, single, single core, we call the Chinese tablets, and you 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 can see them now for as low as forty or fifty. If if you look around, there is a slower dual core. Oh, I am trying to think. K five has one. It'll go for sixty, and it's a dual core, but it's only six hundred megahertz. But with the with the Kindle Fire and and the new Nook tablet, which are both dual core. Pushing the prices down, starting at two hundred, in at least the refurb market, uh, you can make a real deal. I mean, uh, Dell streaks are under a hundred and fifty now. So, and I, I think though, 
I'd call them the third generation. If you call the uh, original Chinese Android tablets the first, and then the uh, the first single core real tablets uh, as as the second generation, and then the dual cores as the third. Uh, and of course, sometime we're going to see quad core tablets hit, but there, the competition in the prices. There's no reason for somebody anymore to try to sell an Android ta- tablet in the three hundred dollar range. And I think they're going to go begging there because there's uh, tablets out there that are as good or almost as good, well under two hundred dollars. And I think we're going to see them drop under a hundred pretty soon. Well, isn't it uh, Google that's supposed to have one coming out? I think it may be next year that was, I think, a quad-core had HDMI output and yada, yada, yada. A whole bunch of stuff that was going to be $150, $200. I wouldn't be at all surprised when those hit the, the previous ones will drop to just nothing. And... Uh, Oh, there's also talk about the uh, uh, Mozilla Firefox tablet that'll run everything in a browser, kind of, kind of like the tab- tablet version of, of the Google OS laptop. So there's going to be competition. There's going to be Tizen. There, it's going to be a little, cl- little closer to real Linux. There, I guess Migo's not dead, which I thought would become Tizen. So. Uh, I, I, there, there's plenty of room out there for competition. Of course, there, uh, you have the HP WebOS tablets, which went, went for nothing on clearance, and now they're trying to get double form by reselling them. And, uh, you, you have the, uh, at least on the hardware specs, the BlackBerry tablets aren't too bad, and they're now under $200 easy in the uh refurbished market and they're not they're not as easy to jump up to uh an os that has more variety in applications but i think that will that will probably come in time yeah and uh you know you talk about changing os's uh that's one thing that I guess Microsoft's doing with their next version is they're trying to somewhat lock down the system so you can't change the OSs with some type of proprietary uh, arrangement in the processors somewhere in that area. That, to me, is kind of dirty. I mean, they already take credit for machines that people buy that they turn around and First thing they do is take Microsoft Windows off and put Linux on. And sometimes they'll uh, maybe put the Windows in a virtual machine, which is one way of running Windows without having a big hassle on it. But you never know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next year or so. Most certainly, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of interesting uh, things coming our way. And if you get thirsty like I do, head on over to uh, 
podbrewers.net where you'll find some uh, really great guys talking about how to brew beer. Yeah, that's a really good site to go over to. I can't believe I didn't even think of saying that, but that is a really good site to go over to, uh, podbrewers.net. If you want to learn how to brew your own brew or just have some, uh, you know, just have some fun, some fun, just talking with a few fellas and brewing and whatnot. So back to the subject at hand. Yeah, I, I think I pretty well covered what, uh, they had here. Uh, like I said, it's, uh, the VAR guy. It's, uh, basically it's dot com, And, uh, you can read the rest of the story there. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we want to go ahead and move a little bit to, uh, the next subject matter. And we have 5150 that's going to head off this one. 51, what did you find? Oh, and this is a rumor, and I've heard it been confirmed, but I found a link on uh, escapistmagazine.com back from uh, 5 June, author Greg Tito, and he says, Gabe Newell from Valve confirmed it via email, despite rumors that the Pioneer and Game Company was working on a new console, and they still haven't finished Half-Life 3, Gabe Newell has become obsessed with getting his digital distribution tool working on the Linux kernel. So they've been talking about Steam, the distribution uh, tool for uh, Valve, uh, coming to Linux for years and years uh, since they uh, ported it over to uh, Apple operating system and it seemed when they looked in the code there were uh there was code there was code in there more to do with Linux than with uh than with Macintosh. Of course the Macintosh OS is BSD based, which is uh another Linux is a Unix like operating system. BSD is Unix and it's possible some of the code they found was just something easier to port over because it had been written on the Linux side. Uh, but the question is, and I, I'm not sure, there's a great deal of games available for Apple, but until the major game studios wake up, and until the two performance video card manufacturers wake up, and provide us with drivers, and I personally, I don't care if it's a binary blob, but if they, in, unless AT and I, ATI and NVIDIA will provide us with drivers that will give us the same performance under Linux on a particular piece of hardware as we would expect under Windows under under the same hardware, I really think this is a non-starter. And until the video game companies wake up and realize Microsoft no longer considers the Windows operating system as a platform for gaming, and they would rather you go buy a 360. I, in, you know, they, the, the game manufacturers just, just should at this point turn their back on Microsoft and said, well, fine. 
we'll go with an operating system that actually works. I agree with you. And, you know, it's obvious that that Microsoft is doing what they're doing. And this is a really good chance, really good opportunity for Linux to step up and have, you know, that gaming platform. But here's the thing. What I think is really important with Steam is that if Steam is really dedicated to coming on over to Linux the way that it seems that they are, with that happening, perhaps that will be what needs to light the fire under the backsides of people like NVIDIA and ATI to like really say, Hey, okay, we're going to support this because that nonsense about Linux not being able to, or Linux is not a good platform for gaming. That's a bunch of BS. I mean, just point blank and it tell you the truth. People should be pissed off that anybody even tells them that to tell you that, Oh, this is not a good platform for gaming. Please. Are you serious? Any platform is good for gaming if it's developed for, and that's what it really boils down to. So what I'm hoping is, is that with steam saying, Hey, we ported over to Mac. We noticed that there's a whole lot of Unix up in here. Why could this not be go out there and fund something like that and bring it to Linux and watch just how much love you get. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, one one-off game written for Linux isn't going to do it. We we need the same games that people are getting for Windows to be to be available for Linux. We need we we need the whole sweet port. Don't nobody's going to set up a Linux machine to play one game. Uh, we we need the same games that are available for uh, for Windows to be just as available for Linux, and we'll take it from there. You talk about just giving it a fair playing field. Everybody develop. Well, well, it would be nice if you could just develop once and it just be ready for everything. But then we're talking about something completely different at that point. Um, but I agree with you. I I agree with you, Fifty. All right. Well, if there is nothing else on anybody else's mind, we're coming up on the one hour mark, which I pretty much guess that that is a, a good time frame for. <laughs> this kind of thing <laughs> for anybody out there that is uh, listening. You will, if you haven't heard in the beginning of the show, this is a spontaneous podcast. It doesn't have any followers as of yet. Uh, but if you, um, if you like it, uh, I don't know, jump on over to pot brew, not pot brewers. Listen to me, jump on over to Linux basics and come and join the forums, I guess, and say, Hey, I liked it when those guys just went online and just created this podcast out of nowhere. Um, cause I really don't have any, I don't have any information for you to, to send us any feedback right now. Come to Linux basics and check us out. Check out red dwarf. Check out, oh, 5150. Come check out me by Brown. Come check out door to door. There's a whole bunch of people over here with a whole lot of love. And, uh, we'll help you. They helped me. I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm in between that. I'm in that weird limbo zone between windows and Linux. But, uh, I got to tell you, I, I found a lot of love over here and, and these fellas have helped me tremendously and I will never, never turn my back on my, my friends here ever. And that is, uh, that's something I want, I want to share with you. Come on over. 
to linuxbasics.com and you will find the grandeur that I that I've that I've met here and I want to share that with you. Uh, 51, do you have anything that you want to say to the our listening audience? <laughs> yeah, uh, I just wanted to make sure somebody wasn't slighted. I was looking through the show supported over here on Mumble, and we admitted the Techie Geek, and I hate to turn this into uh, the Plugcast, but uh, you know, it's Russ Winter's podcast, and then Tracy Holtz Holster has joined him in the last year and i have learned more from those guys than maybe any other single podcast and uh they they cover linux and windows and uh general industry trends so uh that that was the first uh actual uh real linux podcast that i found so Everybody ought to listen to those guys, and uh, they've got the incredible show notes that are second second to none. Anything they talk about, you can go right to the, to the site and click on. So go check them out at www.thetechiegeek.com. Awesome. And uh, Red Dwarf, what's up? You got anything to say to our listening audience out there? I definitely second that. Uh Tracy and Russ do an excellent job, and Tracy is also uh, interested in a few other things, like uh, he likes uh, movies and that sort of thing. He's also another one of those pod brewer guys, along with Byer Brown and Door to Door Geek and, okay, Spark Saber. That's who it was. Uh I know why I forgot him, because he didn't show up tonight. <laughs> That's why. We won't talk about Fork Sabre, because we all waited around for him to come back tonight, and he never did. <laughs> and that's why we had this podcast. I guess. we kind of like just sitting around. And I want to send a big shout-out to uh, uh, Swansbob, who is listening to us live right now. Swansbob is a, is a great guy. He's a great guy. I, I know him personally. And the fact that he even, you know, popped up, I haven't had a chance to talk to him in years, not years, but maybe about, I haven't talked to him in about a year. And, uh, and the fact that he even popped up in here, it just does my heart, uh, you know, a lot of good, but Hey guys, what do you think? We did it. We, I don't know. This was a surprise for you guys. I hope that I surprised, uh, you read and I hope I surprised you 50. What do you think? Well, if nothing else, we uh, succeeded in befuddling Dude Man. <laughs> well, that that is true. That is true. And um, I'm seriously befuddled. There we go. There's dude <laughs> I'm man. wondering what's going on here. He's like, what in the world? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for joining me here on this makeshift podcast and uh, we'll make sure that we uh, do a little bit better in the, in the future here I don't really even know what to say on this end thing but all I gotta say is everybody that came out and listened Swans Bob and everybody that listened to the podcast you know I love you guys and thank you for being there 
I, some of you people, I, I don't even know, but you were there. And, hey, I love you, too, because that's how it should be. Uh, enough of the wars and all the other nonsense. Let's increase the peace. And peace out. What have you guys been up to? We were sitting around here and talking. I mean, just doing, our, you know, doing, doing what we normally do. I told them right before it happened, I said, listen, this is being recorded and it's being broadcast live. And we're doing it right now. Like I told them like literally like three seconds before we started and they were just like, all right, let's go. And boom, we just made, we, we basically made up a podcast out of thin air, like in just a few minutes. And it was awesome. It was absolutely a blast. I had a blast. I'm hoping that they had a blast. That was my intention. That sounds really excellent. Bye. Good idea. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.